Stop texting. I will. <laughs> I'm making content right there. Here's the world's worst scarer. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Girls with Goals. I'm Neve Mar. Today I'm joined by comedian, writer, and actress Alison Spittle and Anya Malloy, who's co-founder of the phenomenon that is Girl Crew. We also have a very special spotlight on sport today. We're joined by world record marathon holder Paula Radcliffe. So if you are recovering from the Dublin City Marathon, which took place yesterday, you don't want to miss this interview later on. First up, we're going to kick things off with a little game. It's called Six Words or Less, and it's for our readers and our listeners who may not know who you are. So if you could, ladies, describe yourselves in six words or less, who wants to go first? I'll go first because I stole mine from someone else. <gasps> oh! <laughs> not me, was no, it? No, I totally forgot about it. So I stole this from someone Anya, else. okay. <laughs> so on. I would describe myself as totally freaking awesome and very modest. Nice. Ah, nice. Who did you steal yeah. that from? Yeah. I can't say. You can. <laughs> you absolutely, this is a safe space. Is it? Yes. It's a modest person. She can't yeah, say. Yeah, exactly, you don't want the credit. Exactly. So say it one more time. Totally freaking <laughs> awesome and very modest. I like that. That's a great That's one. Good. Alison, can you top that? <laughs> um, can't be described in six words. Nice. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game. That's, the, that's actually the first time someone said that, and I've been expecting that. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. I've been expecting I feel so like original. Though. No, yeah. like, you're completely original. It's the first time anyone's done it, but I've honestly been expecting that from the very beginning. Or, or someone to say something so like, well. go F yourself, Neve, I can't, or something like that. Go but, uh, F yourself. Leave. I, I can't. can't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but no. <laughs> so, Anya, I said there that you are the co founder of Girl Crew. So, just for anyone who doesn't know, which I think is probably not many people because everybody's heard of it. So, it's a platform for women to make new friends. And it originally started on Tinder and then it evolved into a private Facebook group. Isn't that how it began? Yeah. So, basically, Elva Carey, uh, the initial founder, she started it on Tinder. So, she changed her gender settings. So, yeah. she'd appear to women and kind of put a message out there. And then she had about over 100 matches overnight, so it was kind of spiralling quite quickly, so it was moved to Facebook then. Yeah. Um, and that, from there... So, like, that was... Just even that. So she was just sitting at home. Yeah. And so she, she wanted, wanted to, to go, go out. out. And, like, all her friends were busy or tired or whatever. Couldn't yeah. be bothered. So, yeah, so she, her sister suggested that uh, she try Tinder, so she so switched cool. the gender settings, and that's kind of how it kicked off. And so then, then it moved to Facebook. It did, yeah, because obviously... Tinder, you know, you can only message one person at a time, blah, blah, blah. So it moved to Facebook group to just make it easier. Yeah. Um, and then I think Elva like left her phone for a couple of hours. And by the time she'd come back, there was already an event arranged. Um, wow. And then it kind of just kept spiraling. Like it just kept growing and growing and growing. And we 
played a Tinder prank as well where loads of people pretended to be Mary Robinson. So that kind of where like it kicked <laughs> off in terms of getting press and stuff. That's brilliant. Um, so yeah, so that was actually really good fun. There's a good lot of us, I'm not sure, about like maybe 15, 20 at least, all changed their gen- their profile picture to the same picture of Mary Robinson okay. and all pretended to be the one true Mary Robinson <laughs> and that like all the others were fake <laughs> and that like anyone that matched was matched with the real one. Um and then eventually her press office had to like issue a statement that she's not on Tinder and stuff. And I was like, oh God. <laughs> so we didn't really expect her to hear about it. But anyway, it was kind of fun. And so, so yeah. how did you kind of get involved then when you reached out to Elva? Because obviously you just joined it. Yeah, at first. I just joined as a member at first. Yeah. Um, so I came across it on Tinder as well. Um, and it was just kind of like Tinder was still kind of fun in Ireland then it's not like the horrible cesspool that it is today uh, how has it changed because <laughs> I've never been on Tinder oh it's well people used to be excited about it yeah and I feel like now it's just like Ooh. yeah people Ooh. used to be like this is a great way to meet people like wow we're all like minded and, and no one's going to treat you like shit and, <laughs> and, and you're going to find the one and it's going to be romantic and it'll be a really funny story that you met on Tinder that's not the case oh really because I, I, no. I know someone that met a guy on Tinder and they 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 had the ride yeah. and then he was in her bed and he was flicking no, no. and she was like what are you doing oh my god <laughs> and he like, was like and she's like were you on Tinder and he's like no that and is then, chronic I can't believe yeah. <laughs> oh my god that's awful she checked to see when he was last online and it was like one one minute ago and he got caught and now this goes to show like how low self esteem she had. She kept going out with him for about a month. But, oh, uh, yeah, oh, but I mean, geez. so that's the kind of people that are on Tinder, and you know, I don't want to generalize or whatever. But what I think is great I'm about, about how, what I'm about <laughs> but get ready, ready for some sweet But um, what is positive about Girl Crew is that it kind of took something that a lot of women are on and actually used it to create this really incredible community. But did you have any idea or when did you realise this is going to be massive global life? Yeah, well, I think because people immediately latched on to the idea. It's not a hard sell. So once they kind of see what the platform was about, then there's a real kind of spark of interest there. And it's been very easy in terms of like transplanting that idea across a lot of countries now. So we have over 50 city groups worldwide and like uh, most of the groups have just like really taken off um, and they all have their own kind of unique culture and vibe and they all have different events that they're really keen on Yeah, um, I would definitely recommend checking out the Scottish groups if anybody really really likes to party those girls are wild but really? in the best possible way wilder so than the Irish crack. they are so much crack wow. um, but yeah it's so funny like it's just kind of been one of those things that just kept going and then press kind of picking it up and those kinds of things and we started like working in partnerships with like Microsoft and Dell and PayPal etc so it's been a great kind of journey so far and it'll be exciting I think to see what happens now when we start getting the app is launching across I was going to say so you've launched the app now for Irish members yeah so the app is launched across Ireland also a couple of groups across the UK and uh, Brisbane and Melbourne as well so we're just kind of onboarding people at the moment and then we're going to be kind of focusing on the US as well going into the new year what I think is great as well about Girl Crew is that you've got lots of different pages now it's beyond the original kind of Girl Crew so there's stuff about you know careers and entrepreneurs as well as dating and as well as relationships I think I was on like a dating one specifically that just kind of spoke about well a lot of it was like you won't believe this date that I went on <laughs> last night but it's like talking to all your mates you know the way sometimes your mates get really sick of you shiting on about your dating life mm. especially if they're all settled or whatever I found this was a really nice place to go and kind of vent and then instantly have 
lots of different women kind of giving their own experiences and being like oh yeah this happened to me or that happened to me and it was just really nice to kind of feel like you were being listened to and not irritating everybody all the time with your yeah absolutely and also like people have been rescued so there's a couple of sweet stories this girl was on a disaster date um, I think it was somewhere in Dawson Street or something and she was like look like literally like SOSing from the bathroom being like I need to get out of there I need to leave now can someone come get me no way. so this, she just like shared her number and someone like pretended like oh there's a mer- what the house is on fire and just like ran off and met some other a girls classic. on the group wow. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> had a blast with them instead so there's Amazing. loads of things like that like people have was a witness at someone's wedding and they wanted to elope and all this kind of stuff so there's so much mad stuff kind of happens in the group um, and oftentimes it's those little stories that really really make the community I guess Yeah. Um, because you know that if you need someone for something mental there'll be someone who's be like yes I'm Absolutely. down I'm going to come back to Girl Crew in a little while when we're talking about Halloween but Alison you've been working hard on a number of big projects and the next big thing coming up for you is an RTE TV show yeah so you wrote it yeah I wrote it with my boyfriend it's called Nowhere Fast oh, uh, I love the so name tell us about it it's about a, a lady who libels a man on the radio and has to move back to the Midlands uh, in River Man because she got the sack okay. in Dublin and can't afford to live here and uh, she kind of just tries to reconnect with her friends and her family Yeah. and uh, yeah I haven't said one funny thing about it yet but it is a comedy so <laughs> <laughs> actually sounds work on my elevator pitch <laughs> that sounds really sad I know it <laughs> is it sounds like a tragedy it's my nightmare it's my nightmare um, so yeah it's it's about it's about uh, well it's just because I love Westmead where I'm from originally is it's, that where it's set uh, the Midlands ish okay yeah 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 you can't like it's a fictional place called Ballybeg and nice. uh, yeah, I'm from a town called Ballymore, so not to do with each other at all. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, kind of I enjoyed writing it and uh, acting in it and stuff. And it's kind of weird because uh, you know it's an idea that you have, and then you look out and there's like 50 crew working on it. And you're yeah, like, oh, they're all working on this idea. That yeah, I had. yeah, it's yeah, really really yeah, cool. Yeah. And did you have any experience of getting the sack from any? Like, is that something that was inspired or? Um, would I ever get this? I, well, I wouldn't call it the sack, but I worked in a, um, a takeaway before and uh, a woman hit me with a stick so I quit but <laughs> <laughs> she was the boss she was the bo- boss's mother okay. she was like she was like she was really old and stuff and she had this stick and I was like why does she have this stick and I put I the know, I know why <laughs> yeah, like, she just held it like a wise person all the time and she just went like and she was like wrong carton because I put the rice in the wrong carton I was mm. supposed to put it in the uh, anyway. Alison, this is not the same thing as getting the stack no, <laughs> that's the only time I've like quit. <laughs> I've never got no, I've never got the sack. I, I I used to work in radio as a researcher. Okay, and when I went to college, like there's this lecturer, and all his lectures would end with. And that's why that person never worked in media again. <laughs> and it's always like a horror story of something, you know. He was always going on about the box factory. You're going to be ended up working in the box factory. <laughs> as if there's only two jobs and that's media and working in the box factory. <laughs> and, you know, the box factory could be fun. You yeah. don't know. Sounds good to me. What yeah. about you, Annie? Have you ever been fired from anywhere? 
No, I've never been fired. From Have you? No. Do you want to f- make yourself feel better? I How did you get fired? I absolutely was fired from places. I mean, I was asked to stop coming into work loads of times, but I don't think that's being that didn't stop me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was more like you know when you're working in your local shop or if you're working yeah. doing shifts in a restaurant and they'd be like, oh, we don't have anything for you this month, and then you know you wake up two months later without a paycheck and you realise I was definitely sacked. Yeah. But they just told me to stop coming in. Um, but I remember I was fired from a radio job so that's why I think yeah I was fired from a radio job like kind of probably my first or second year in radio and uh, I was doing like I thought I was doing a really great job but it was just it was a station at the time it was around the recession and there was literally 15 of us that were just let go in one day so it was a big call and I had just put a down payment on like my apartment that I was living in in the city and like Basically, I think that's your show. So I had to call my mom (laughs) and be like, mom, it's over. The radio dream is gone. So uh, I'm going to be moving back in. And uh, yeah, so that happened. So that was pretty much exactly like nowhere fast. Oh, my gosh. I just um, when I worked in radio, it was always like interning or doing swing work for people. Yeah. So it was never like I never even got the the chance to do like down payments around like that. Right, I okay. kind of, I, I've never I've never really even had a proper job yeah like I've just been always like self-employed um, or on the dole yeah and or doing summer jobs yeah. but never never like but I mean what year. I think is interesting about the show that you're that you're doing and uh it's it's very reflective of what's happening at the moment though because I saw um, a piece in the Irish Independent there a while ago and it was about something mental like over 450,000 adults are now living at home with their parents like it's just something that's happening more and more now with people because of living costs and stuff like that so in the show like do you deal with the struggles of of returning home and living with your parents and and what's that kind of dynamic like yeah um, I suppose I deal with the the struggle of moving back home when Sometimes when I when I moved home, um, when I, when I moved back home the first time, because I moved back to Westmead from Dublin mm-hmm. after college, because there was no work, and uh, my mother, when I was a teenager, I was kind of very depressed, and my mother was always worried about me. And then I went to college and I had a great time, and my life was quite good. And then when I moved back, my mom was always kind of worried about my mental health and stuff. So I felt like a child, even yeah. though I was just in the same room and everything, but I was always kind of, and, and I loved it. Like I love the mammy dinners. Yeah. Um, I love not paying for Sky. That's great. <laughs> you know? I love the luxury of Sky movies, but none of the payment. Um, but yeah, and I, 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 when writing this, I just became very aware of that. And I wanted, I wanted to kind of mention that because, you know, you're both adults mm-hmm. and, uh, but the, the dynamic is, Purely uh, individual to you two. Oh, absolutely! You know? I live at um, home with my parents at the moment. Do you? Yeah, I do, and I'm 31, and I'm proud, and it's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm back at home for a little while just to save some money and clear some debts. Saying that, lots of people are. are, are your doing. parents from Dublin? Yeah, they are. Yeah, so. everybody in Dublin does it. Though. I know. My yeah. boyfriend is way more yeah. common. It's definitely yeah. at home. It's just like out the door as soon as you can yeah and that's it like because when I went to college you know everybody that I was meeting in college were all from the country as a Dublin person says from anyone who's not from Dublin <laughs> when I'm at home now on my social media I just refer to them as my roommates and <laughs> I think people are wise to it <laughs> I'm living with an elderly couple yeah. and there's pictures of me all over the house <laughs> so it just looks like we're either really really tight or yeah. they definitely gave birth to me so but I mean it did 
is. It's good. Like my dad's constantly making me sandwiches. I'm having a great time. That is so cool. Yeah. Like I never paid for toilet roll. No, when I was, I know. You know, as shampoo. Yeah. Mom buys the good stuff. <laughs> toilet roll's great. Like, yeah. It's, it's like the luxuries that you get. I know. Double quilted. <laughs> the life you need. <laughs> two ply. Yeah. Two ply when you're living on your own. <laughs> so, life's bad. so when is this show? When are we going to be seeing it? Um, so it's out November 13th. Oh uh, wow. Okay. So on Soon. a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Are um, you nervous? Are you excited? I'm so nervous about it. Are you like, really? Yeah. That's why. I'm, like I'm in a weird mood even this morning. Like I that could just... have been the scare that I gave. No. You. <laughs> no. But I really. Yeah, that that was funny about the scare because I turned around. I was like, "You making content? Are you?" As if that was an accusation. <laughs> and it's like you're so wise. <laughs> and I was like, "I'm in her, of course." It doesn't matter. Why are you even questioning that? Everything is. Got, you know what I mean? Like I know. That one. I know. I should have. I should have known better. No. No. But it's like and then I then. I don't know, like, like I'm just fear stressed. I won't, I won't like, okay, I'll be very truthful with you. I'm fear stressed about it. Are you it. really? Yeah. Because not everyone's gonna like it. But I, Alice, gonna, I feel not like not everyone can like everything. Yeah. I know, I yeah. know. But, but I feel like your career like so far like you're not getting a lot of hate like people are really liking what you're doing I'm so afraid no but I mean that's a, that's a good thing and also yeah. is this kind of your first big acting gig as well yeah and man that was so hard I mean the two guys so me the two girls that are my best friends in it uh, Genevieve and Claire yeah. they auditioned to, to act in it and they were great and I remember Genevieve would cook a chicken every week and Claire and Genevieve would go through the lines with me and I wrote the thing and I'd be going to them uh, what emotion am I supposed to convey with this yeah. line? And it's like, I just felt so out of my depth, but they were so lovely and yeah. so nice. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I always feel like an imposter, but that's fine. That's, that's, that's sure. Who doesn't? Feel I know like this an has imposter. turned into like a Dr. Phil session, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? Like, <laughs> feeling like tell us about your successful new series. Uh, I'm dying on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Your press people are going to love that. I know, but that is the headline. I'm dying on the, on the inside. inside. Yeah. Go on the RT guide. Kill me. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about um, ghost stories and sexy costumes in a little while. But first up, the Dublin City Marathon happened yesterday. So a massive congrats to everyone who was involved. I can confirm that I would never be able to take part in a marathon. But Paula Radcliffe, on the other hand, is fairly good at them. Our reporter Rosanna Cooney caught up with her earlier in the week to find out all about her career and firstly, how she got into marathon running in the first place. I think I got into running first. I think I just found that it was something that I enjoyed doing. My dad was running marathons at the time. So at the weekends, we would go and to give him a drink and a snack on his long run in the forest. And I would join in for little bits. And I thought, I really like this. And he encouraged me, took me to the local athletics club. And I started running. And at that point, I don't think I was really thinking about the marathon. It was just that I liked running. Uh, and then I remember in 1985 going down to watch my dad run the London Marathon. And when I was standing waiting for him to come past, Ingrid Christensen came past and she was setting a world record that day uh, for the women's marathon. And I remember thinking, wow, she just looks so strong. Um, and she's competing right at the front with all these men. Um, I'd really love to be able to run like that one day. So then I kind of made a goal with my dad that we would run a marathon together one day. And we never actually managed to, to run one together in the same race, but we have run the same race just at different times. 
Um, and so, yeah, then it became kind of, I guess, a gradual progression through my career, um, different distances until I found the marathon. And when I ran my first marathon, I just thought, right, yeah, this is definitely my event. This is the event that I feel most at home in uh, and is the biggest challenge for me. Do you know what you're saying um, about seeing a woman like Ingrid and her going past? What has it been like trying to, have you tried to emulate that role model status for younger girls coming into the sport and younger boys as well? And is that something you've kept in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's important not just in sport, but in, in everything through life. I think it's important that we're kind of surrounded by people who show us you can do this rather than you can't do this. Um, and that kind of positive mindset is, is so important, especially with young kids come like 12, 13 as they're growing up, that they kind of don't get that natural competitiveness, that natural drive pushed out of them by you know you can't do this and I think I was really fortunate I was surrounded by people growing up my grandmother was a huge inspiration to me she kind of just attacked whatever she wanted to do in life and like very much the mindset of if I want to do something I'm going to persuade everybody else that that's the best thing to do rather than have them tell me no you can't do that um, so I think that was really key my parents really supported everything that I did without putting pressure on so they would drive me wherever I needed to be driven to for training for races but they would never say right you have to do this result now we've driven you here they would just say just give it your best um, and I think that that's really important so yeah I think it's having that kind of mindset of, of not setting limits on yourself and that you you can do it you just need everybody needs that role model or somebody just showing them that yeah if you really want something and you work hard this is what you can get it's not that that person's superhuman it's just that they've worked hard and they've worked towards what they're doing and there's no reason why you can't do that and I guess it was for me growing up it was really important that I had a lot of women before me um, and just before me people like Liz McColgan, Sonia O'Sullivan showing me that there was no reason that kind of a white European um, woman runner couldn't compete with the, the African runners, with the Kenyans, with the Ethiopians. So it never entered my head that I wasn't kind of on a level playing field with them and that it was just down to, to how hard we worked and how well you raced, whether you, you won or not. And do you know what you're saying with the positive mindset? Has there been, there must have been points at some time when there are obviously blips and yeah. other things. Is there a way, that, strategies that you've developed to cope with those kind of setbacks that must have come through injuries and even small things like um, balancing family, friends, all those things? Like, how, are you, how do you keep that positive mindset all the time? I think the biggest thing is to have certain kind of basic rules, if you like, um, that it, it is just sport. Um, so you can only give it your best shot. Uh, and that's what I guess my mum and dad were very good with when I was a kid. Like, you don't want to get too nervous because some nerves are good. It means it's important to you and you'll perform well, but too much and you're taking away from the enjoyment of it. And it's that kind of base enjoyment because if you love doing something, then you hit a setback. You're going to fight through that setback to be able to keep doing it. Whereas if it's something that you're doing just because you've been told you're good at it, then when you hit that first um, setback, you're not going to be as strong through it and you're more likely to walk away. So I think it is first of all that basic enjoyment and then the perspective side of things as well. Um, and like with everything in life, you kind of accept that yeah, you're not going to get everything that you want, but if you work hard towards it, then you will get a lot of things that you kind of want to work towards and you'll probably get some other things that you never even dreamed of or never even thought about because you've been working towards that, that other goal. So yeah, no, don't beat yourself up if you don't get to that 
really, really high dream goal because you're going to still achieve a lot along the way and probably some other things that are even better that, like I say, you hadn't thought about. Yeah, so it's, it's putting everything in perspective. You can only give it your best shot. And like we said, like marathons are such long, long races and the training as well. So are there ways that you use, like mentally, are you distracting yourself mm -hmm. from, like I can imagine they hurt. So do you distract yourself? Or are you focusing? Or is there... It's, it is focus. I think distractions sometimes in training kind of just let your mind wander and, and wander off. But in the race, it's usually kind of focused, but very focused, focused. So I would say things like in the moment. And I used to count in my head. So I used to count up to 100. Um, and when I knew if I did that three times, that was a mile. So it was breaking the race down in, first into miles and then into a thirds of a mile. So I knew exactly where I was within that set to 100 and you know which number comes next you've done it so many times so you're only really thinking about one foot in front of the other what number comes next and you're not projecting into I feel tired that hurts I've still got 10 miles left to do you're not letting kind of those worries come in you're blocking those out and just focusing exactly on what you need to do yeah, I had a coach that always said to me, like, focus on anyone else but the pain. Yeah, you yeah. know, if you focus yeah, on the pain. Just distraction, that's all you're doing. Not thinking about that, because if you start, whatever you start thinking about, that thing that you're thinking about becomes bigger. So if it's the pain you're thinking about, it becomes bigger. But if you're just thinking about one foot in front of the other, that's all you're doing. You just almost go onto autopilot mm -hmm. uh, and you just do it and you don't even notice the fact that there's pain. So I actually read your autobiography a few years ago when I was on holidays in France, but one of the things that actually has stayed with me since was um, talking about the doping and doping in sport and um, like that your book was in 2005 mm -hmm. so I guess a lot has changed in the yeah, years yeah. Um, but one of the things you said was once my career is over it'll become a priority to spend more time mm -hmm. um, advocating against doping and um, really investing yourself in that and do you think have you been able to do that yeah, since you're tired? Yeah so that, that's I think um, something that I was really passionate about that I wanted to do more to kind of protect that right of the athletes for a level playing field and to be able to have people believe their performances and know that they're competing against people who have just trained as hard as they have and haven't taken shortcuts uh, and it hurts to have your performances doubted it really hurts um, so that's why now I'm really happy I'm kind of working with the athletics integrity unit and just trying to, to kind of give that right back to the athletes because when you're competing you can only really focus on giving it your best shot you haven't got the time and energy to be kind of running around trying to um, make efforts to improve the anti-doping side of it but now I can now I've, I've got kind of a little bit of knowledge as well that helps um, and a lot of passion and motivation to to go in and kind of just to, to say no guys you're not doing a good enough job you need to do a better job so that these clean athletes which are the majority of the athletes out there they're better protected and they're better able to a prove that their performances are clean and b know that they're com not competing against people who are cheating and how difficult is it is is it when um there's almost like a trial by media for some athletes mm. when their times are just it seems too fast in yeah. commas. And I think you've come up against that mm -hmm. before. How hard is it to, to see that in the papers and know how hard you've worked, but then just see it being put down to, to drugs? See, I mean, that that's really hurts. And when you haven't got that test that can say, there you go, bang. I'm, I'm clean and I proved it. When you haven't got that there, it's, it's even harder. So that's why I think we have to fight to be able to, to put that in place. Because at the minute, it's too many people to say, oh, yeah, yeah, but people can fudge those tests. People can take things and it doesn't show up on the test and it can't catch everything and that's why it's not doing a good enough job and I appreciate that yeah it's it's a fighting battle and it's, it's moving all the time 
but they need to do better because athletes get that one short career and when you are in that position it really hurts even though I would say the strongest thing is that deep inside you know so I know that I never did anything and that's almost more important to, to me than how, whether somebody else who knows nothing about me doesn't know me as a person whether they believe what I've done the fact that I know and the fact that my kids know and that I can look them in the eye and I can say this is what you do to, to get the best out of yourself and to be proud of that performance afterwards and I can look could look my rivals in the eye and sort of say yeah I beat you because I was, I was better mm. not because well, I cheated because I, I don't think see how people could do that no and how people can go through even media interviews yeah, afterwards yeah, yeah. lying yeah it's 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 a level of psychopath, I think, or maybe it's like just I don't I don't know how they do it. I don't understand how you can actually genuinely believe that that that's fair and sit there and do all of that. They must kind of almost delude themselves. I think mm, it's a complete loss of integrity, but mm. so damaging to every sport yeah. once it comes out. Yeah. So since you've retired, have you been able? You've still been running, but has it been incredibly difficult? Um, running and not being at the same level how have you balanced that? No kind of? I think it was quite I always worried about how I would make that transition because I knew kind of because I really loved what I was doing I knew that it was going to be kind of my body telling me no you can't compete at the top level anymore rather than me saying okay I don't want to do this anymore um, so I wondered how, how I'd be able to kind of cope with that but then I think because it kind of ended for me the way it did with a foot injury and then I was able to battle back and there was a long period nine months where I couldn't run at all so then I valued, because I'd had it taken away from me, I valued just being able to just go out for a run so much more that the fact that I've got that in my life and that when I kind of went through that difficult time with the media in 2015 and everything, that I could go out for a run and I could kind of process it all and just get rid of that frustration and just kind of feel better about myself um, through running, then it's, it's like I'm... I kind of miss it less. I, I value the fact that I was able to have as long a career as I did, and I'm just very grateful for the fact that I can go out and run every day. Mm. Um, whereas it would be so much harder if I wasn't able to, to go out and run every day. I think I don't, don't know how I would kind of handle that if that was the case. And was it difficult um, almost having to rebuild an identity as um, an elite athlete? Like if your identity for so many years was one thing, did you have to kind no, of... No, I don't think that was, no. because I think my identity was me. And at home, my identity was me. Like, I've always been Isla's mum, Raf's mum. It's not like I've been something... I was something on the track, and then that person... There wasn't a person behind that. There was always a person behind that, and that person is still the same person now. It's just that my drive and my focus and my kind of what I'm going to do each day is, is just at something else. But running is still a part of that, and then... Instead of that being the sole focus of my day, I'm going to give that running session the best it is. Sometimes it is literally, okay, I'm just going to just get out, clear my head. It's just going to be a half an hour, 40-minute run. And then I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to go into the office, I need to do this for the kids. And you, you, you still focus it, but it's just in a different way. It just becomes like a, a smaller part of your day instead of the main focus. And last thing is, any top running songs? Oh, um, God. There's like, I mean, there's, there's classic ones like kind of Tina Turner and Whitney Houston, old ones um, that were anthems like for Olympics when I was growing up, the Seoul Olympics and, and things like that. And then um, there's other ones that I would listen to kind of in preparation um, in training sessions. So I remember before I ran London Marathon for the first time in 2002, it was like Daniel Bedingfield, get it, got to get through this for the training. And then that was playing in one of the pubs on the route. So when that happens, it kind of, that gives you another boost. So yeah, it's more... I don't 
don't know if there's one song that I kind of stick with all the time. It's just, yeah, different things come, come back. Okay, brilliant. Thank you so much, Paula. Thank you. No problem us. at all. It's Halloween tomorrow and firstly I must apologise because as you may have heard earlier I tried to give you both a bit of a scare when you came in but I think we can say that I failed spectacularly. Yeah. I really did. I, I, I don't think, I literally think there's nothing in this world funnier than scaring people though. Mm. So around this time of year I, I'd say after Christmas Halloween would be my favourite time of year. Halloween's my favourite time of year. Is it really? Yeah. Really? It's Christmas hands down. Really? Mm. That's a big statement. Yeah. yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Christmas Day. Okay. Christmas Eve, Eve, Christmas Eve, Stephen's Day. Yes, all about those. Christmas Day. It's kind of like the way people like foreplay and the act itself is like, meh. And then you like the after bit where you're just like, let's watch a DVD. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Stephen's Day is. This is what I'm here for. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to lie beside you and look for my phone. (laughs) That's my swipe. It is the season to be that's that it. took yeah. a weird turn. It <laughs> <laughs> took a weird turn real fast. Um, speaking about Halloween again. Oh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> We're going to talk about what you're dressed up as. But um, first off, I want to know, do you believe in ghosts, Anya? I, no, I don't. No. Not at all? No. Never no, have. I'm going to say no. Okay, no. Alison, do you believe in ghosts? Um, I did a Ouija board. Oh. Did you? Yeah. I've yeah. never... Oh yeah, totally mm. freaky. And was someone pushing it though? I well, okay. My my history of Ouija boards starts off with like my my mother always used to say to me like she used to say to me two things, right? Don't do a Ouija board or you'll end up in the mental hospital or don't ride a fella you don't love because you'll end up in the mental. So it was always like those two things. <laughs> so the end goal was always a mental hospital. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like, like my mother's like my college lecturer. Instead of like, he worked in a box factory. It's like her psychological state was very bad after. So that would be my mom. So I was always curious about the Ouija board. I wanted to do a Ouija board when I was eight. I had my first ever sleepover. Yeah. and all of my friends snitched on me to my ma oh, I was rats. doing I know because they were scared too yeah. so so we watched Scream 2 and a scary movie and it was grand and then when I was 14 I had a goth friend called Neve, okay. and this guy called William his house was free for the weekend and it was actually Halloween and uh, we we did the Ouija board so Neve got a little glass and got the um got the letters and hello goodbye and we even had numbers as well in case they wanted to do maths or something like that and (laughs) slide into your DMs that's my phone number (laughs) (laughs) like a round of countdown (laughs) (laughs) two from the top (laughs) Um, so so we we like I, I became very aware of the reality of it. I was like, oh god, I was so scared. And William, my friend, he's such a laugh. But even he got scared. He was like, Neve, if this house gets haunted, my parents are gonna kill me when they get back. <laughs> like it's a house party, you know. And you spill red wine on a couch, but instead you've opened up the hell mouth. <laughs> and, then, you know, and the parents are like, oh, we only had one weekend in Malaga, William. You've ruined it. <laughs> You're never staying on your own. So, so we we did this game. And we said hello, is there anyone there? And it went straight to X, like really strongly to X. And I just got so scared. I was like, lads, get me off, get me off, get me off. And you can't take your hand off, apparently. You have to go straight to goodbye. So I said goodbye. 
and I said lads I can't do the Ouija board but I'm not going to sit in the other room while you talk to ghosts <laughs> so I'll sit here and I'll just take notes so I took out a notebook like I was at a general meeting of a residence <laughs> association I just t- t- took down the minutes of the meeting between some teenagers and a ghost <laughs> and it was just so, so and you know you have to put a ring of salt around you as well oh, I've, seen, I've seen protection. that in movies yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but isn't it mad like that we think ghosts are the same as the slugs that they just do not like salt <laughs> do you know what I mean protect the cabbages so so we did it anyway and they said hello is there anyone there and yeah. I went yes and then it said uh, what's your name and I went to A-D-A-I what oh, else oh. sorry I did this, <laughs> I did this story on stage stage once yeah and uh, a light fell on top of me uh so, right? Yeah, I was fine. Okay, but, wasn't a big light. <laughs> but I ran off stage and didn't do it again for years. A D A I G M. And then I was like, what's that? And we went, Adagum, Adagum, Adagum. And then someone goes, Adam. And they go, yeah. And then we said, what's your second name? R O U R. And we were like, Rourke. Is your name Rourke? And they went, yeah. Yeah. And then. We for we didn't know what else to ask the ghost because we didn't think that far ahead. So you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to tell the ghost it's dead. So you have to like ask it like really mundane questions because apparently if you tell the ghost it's dead, it'll go mad. Right. So very temperamental. I know. Yeah, it's very temperamental. Be, yeah. um, so we just said, uh, um, "Do you like tea?" Okay. And it said yes. And then we couldn't think of any more questions. We're like, "Do you like biscuits?" And I went yes. And we just asked him loads of questions like that. And then one, then Neve said, uh, do you feel lonely where you are? And it went very slowly, but very strongly towards yes. And we all looked at each other as teenagers and we're like, mm, this is getting a bit deep. And we went to goodbye. We <laughs> <laughs> left him there. <laughs> so we ghosted a ghost. We were like, peace. Really? Yeah, peace. <laughs> It's getting a bit too much now. I was really into that. I thought you were about to make some kind of emotional revelation. And no, it was just like, see ya. Yeah, exactly. You basically exactly. sent a gif of like a door closing on him and just yeah, ran out. Like, I'm not ready for a relationship. Okay? Yeah. I'm so, just like Tinder. <laughs> so you do believe in ghosts? I kind, I don't know. I don't believe in God, so I shouldn't believe in ghosts. See, this is it. I don't really, yeah, I don't believe in God either, but I lived in a cottage uh, under a bridge and it was pink and it was on an estuary. So, I mean, obviously it was haunted, right? It was over a yeah. hundred years old. And myself and my best friend who lived there, weird things were happening. Like, and it's literally, this sounds like I'm making it up, but it's not true. We would both wake up in the middle of the night around the same time mm. and just weird things mm. like that. Uh, our ketchup would move all the time. And that's like a heavy bottle of ketchup. And we would just wonder about it. So we were convinced of... <laughs> guys, a bit of context here. That was a heavy bottle of ketchup. <laughs> it wasn't half gone, you know? Like it was a heavy bottle. And so, um, so we decided to name our ghost because we were like, right, if you name him and if you acknowledge him, him, then he'll be fine so we named him Johnny or something Johnny the Sailor and we would just be like Johnny just relax don't be moving our condiments like everything's fine and anyway my um, my best friend who lived with me uh, worked in a hospital 
and she uh, one of her patients was this elderly woman who apparently could speak to spirits and Gemma was like you know we have uh, we have a ghost in our house we're pretty sure we have a ghost in our house and the lady said to her um, well you do have a ghost but you're calling him the wrong name and that's why he's so annoyed with you his name is Michael or something and of course Gemma Ooh. was just like backing out of the room going <laughs> this creepy old lady has just told us that we are being haunted we thought we were just joking oh my gosh so then we went in and we like named the ghost the proper name and he stopped haunting us then because he was just pissed off and that's why he kept moving our ketchup bottle Anya's looking at me like I'm absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't believe I me. Mean, I don't know. Yeah. But if I was a ghost, I feel like mustard would be my bag. But <laughs> yeah. Or you'd have other things to be worrying about then. These strangers don't know my name. It's like, you're dead. You've got other issues. <laughs> Go talk to your family. Why are you annoying these people about ketchup? <laughs> I swear to God, though. I swear. I felt like I was being haunted. And it was, it was also like cold and hot and all those things you hear about in movies like I was pretty convinced that mm. I was being haunted but I'm not entirely sure speaking about Halloween and obviously it's coming up now tomorrow will you be dressing up costumes oh yes, yes. but I don't know what I'm going to dress up as yet I'm always last minute uh, dresser upper I feel like Halloween is such a confusing time for women and there's so many contradictions because obviously there's all of these sexy costumes that mm. you can dress up as mm. yeah. but then there's Chronic. Uh, yeah it's chronic <laughs> I mean like sexy crayon and sexy remote control these are actual costumes that yeah. you can buy yeah. online sexy pizza slice I've seen a uh, sexy goldfish oh. and I was like yeah <laughs> that's the one for me I'd do that goldfish <laughs> <laughs> but they're all like tiny they're like they're not designed for Halloween in Ireland also so, like no, you need an overcoat it's overall. very cold but can I mention um, you know Mean Girls the movie yeah, yeah. obviously like they quoted they, and they spoke about Halloween so in girl world Halloween is the one night of year when a girl can dress like a total slut and no other girl can say anything about it and the hardcore girls just wear lingerie and some form of animal ears mm. Mm. That's I love Mean Girls. Yeah, Mean Girls. I love <laughs> Mean Girls as well. And I'm actually going to a Halloween party that says specifically that you're not allowed wear sexy costumes. Well, oh. that's I, that's not Any fair either, reason? though. Well, this yeah. Is, well, I don't know. I mean, I think it's just it's. Uh, I think it's her prerogative. But the thing is, like, Why I just f- say no store bought. Well, I just think like, if you want to be sexy, be sexy as well, though. Like, why yeah. why can't we be sexy? You're being told like it's essentially slut shaming. Yeah, yeah it like is. that's what's happening. So, but I mean, it's the same thing. A woman should be allowed to wear whatever she wants to wear any day of the year, and even if it is Halloween, you should be allowed to wear whatever the hell they want, even if that is a sexy goldfish. And yeah. you're allowed to you're allowed to go. That's ridiculous, but that's like consumerism rather yeah. than like oh look at her legs. It would just be yeah. like oh like we're 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 destroying the idea of what a remote control is. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I do think the point of Halloween is to be scary. So a remote control. Yeah. Maybe it had like your sky bill attached. Yeah, like, that would be scary. Yeah, that is, but like scary. just a woman or man rocking around with a few buttons down their stomach. I don't think that's scary. Once I dressed up as Mary Bale. Do you remember who she was? No, no. she was that lady who threw the cat into the bin. Oh my do you god! Remember that woman? <laughs> yes. She got caught on camera. Yes, I do. And I got the shift that night. No. Nice. <laughs> How did you dress up as her? I did put you just, like drag around the bin and, and a had cat. a cat. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> the fella I shifted was dressed as the Hulk so it was like <laughs> very odd yeah. everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> 
Okay. I look forward I look forward to seeing if you can top that this year, Alison. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much to my panel, Alison Spittle and Anya Malloy. Thanks to our reporter Rosanna Cooney and our athlete this week, Paula Radcliffe. Paul Donegan was on sound. Maeve Galvin was helping me out this week. I'm Neve Marr and we'll chat to you next. Uh Almost there. End it on that. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Let's do, start I'll just, all over again. <laughs> I'm just going to do my name again. I'm Neve Mar, and we'll chat to you next week. I'm actually probably just going to use that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, like, why not? Messing up is fine. <laughs> <laughs>